Good morning. morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I was just backstage and I was reminded that Pastor Jason has been leading this church for almost 11 years. And in the last nine months, he has led us so well. Can we acknowledge how well he has led us? Thank you. Thank you. Through extraordinary times, and speaking of extraordinary times, the time of Micah was pretty extraordinary, and we have had so much fun going through the book of Micah, but it's been difficult. There have been some pretty difficult moments, and to recap what's been happening in Micah, we started out with a little judgment, but then we got some mercy. Then a little more judgment, a little more mercy, some judgment, some mercy, and then last week, we got a whole ton of mercy as Pastor Jason shared Micah's prophecy from 700 years before Jesus was born, that Jesus would be born in the humble town of Bethlehem. Wow. That he would, he would come, he would be the redeemer, he would regather his people into a flock and bring them into good pastures like we heard in Micah chapter two, that he would be the king. But it's not enough to just hear that Jesus is coming. There's action required. Why? Because there is judgment. And today we're gonna hear about some judgment, but there's hope in that judgment. And, and I'm not saying that because I'm a seven on the Enneagram and everything's a big party to me. <laughs> I'm saying that because this says that, and this is what is so awesome. So we're gonna pray, we're gonna read these verses in Micah chapter five, verses seven through 15, and we're gonna talk about the awesomeness of God. Because that's what you should leave with. You shouldn't leave with, hey, this is a great story. You should leave with, he's a great God. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We're amazed that you give this to us. It is alive, you are alive, and we thank you. We ask that you fill us with your spirit today, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, because in my own strength, I, I can't do this. I need you. I need you to illuminate exactly what you want in your word Father, bring life to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Micah chapter five, verses seven through 15. Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass which delay not for a man nor wait for the children of men. Now, there are basically three sermons just in this one verse. So we're going to look at the three things that are highlighted, and then we'll move on. Remnant. You've heard that a lot through this series. We heard it in Romans. Remnant is talking about literally that which remains. So we've got the descendants of Jacob that were uh, in exile. They were, they were disciplined. They were uh, disobedient. So they went into exile to Babylon for 70 years. And that's the context that Micah is talking about here. But for, in, for our sense, for practical terms, um, he'd be talking about the remnant as those who are saved. We'd be talking about those who have trusted in Jesus. So if you have trusted in Jesus, you are the remnant. And there are some incredible things about the remnant. 
Remnant people live a certain way because they understand a couple of things. Remnant people understand mercy and forgiveness. They really get mercy and forgiveness. Then they get it to the point that they want to extend mercy and forgiveness to others. Why? They get what Jesus did for them. This is the incredible thing about remnant people. They get that Jesus paid a penalty that they deserved. And we're going to get more into that. We're going to get more into what that penalty is. But remnant people understand what Jesus has done for them. So they want to go tell everybody about Jesus. They want to share that good news with them. But the most incredible thing about the remnant There is one. I heard a whoa. Yeah. Take a moment and think about that. I was with a friend on Thanksgiving, and, and he shared with the people that were gathering that we need to take a moment and really grasp what God has done for us. Because think about the people of the time. They were a train wreck. They were worshiping this idol, worshiping that idol. Does that sound familiar? It's us. <laughs> we're a train wreck. We're worshiping this idol. We're worshiping that idol. God should say, be gone. He, he should say to me that with the life that I led up until 2006, be gone. I don't want you. But in his mercy, he says, I want a people for myself. I want a people to dwell with. That is a, this is a tangible evidence. The, the remnant is a tangible evidence how much God loves us. And when you think about that, and when you get that, it changes everything. His desire to dwell with us and what he has done for us. The smile that you see on my face, pretty much all the time, it's not some fake Christian, hey, I'm doing great Sunday. It's not because I'm a seven on the Enneagram. It's, it's because I remember what I was before Jesus transformed my life. And, and that's, that's the thing that I'm hoping that you get today. And it doesn't matter whether you came out of drugs and alcohol and divorce like I did and was saved over the phone at the age of 45. If you were saved at the age of seven in vacation Bible school, that's even more of a miracle because you're saved, you're in the remnant, you get all the benefits, and you didn't have to go through what I went through. Boy, when you get, when you get the fact that there is a remnant, changes everything, changes how you live. You walk differently, you talk differently, you serve differently, you give differently, you're generous. You, you go and you tell others about Jesus because you want them to have what you got. That's the smile. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Micah today, these verses, but check this out. God wants a remnant, which is remarkable. You want to be in the remnant, and you can be in the remnant. God wants a remnant, you want to be in the remnant, and you can be in the remnant. Now let's go back to verse 7, because there's more. 
then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass. He's saying that this remnant will be spread out in the midst of many peoples. Now remember in the midst, because that's going to be important in a little bit. But he uses a simile. Remember similes from, from grammar? Comparison using the word like or as? He's, he's using this simile to say, hey, the remnant people are going to be in the midst of people and they're going to live like dew on the grass. The message could have been titled dew on the grass because dew is amazing. Dew is used 34 times in the Bible, every single time representing blessing. Dew is so important in Israel, it represents 50% of the water in the deserts of Israel. Dew was so important that on the very first day of Passover in the synagogue, the cantor, who, who would be the uh, equivalent of a worship leader here at church, the cantor would sing a prayer asking God to bring dew from the first day of Passover all the way through the end of the harvest season, all the way through the Feast of Tabernacles or the, uh, the Jewish holiday Sukkot. And you know what that prayer actually says? This is mind-blowing. The prayer actually is asking God to bring a light out of the darkness, like dew on the grass. You fast forward to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Jesus calls us out of what? The darkness and into his marvelous light. This is Micah's prophecy, 700 years before Jesus. Imagine being a blade of grass, you're in the desert. You're going to sleep, you know it's going to be hot the next day. It's not going to be fun. And unbeknownst to you, in the wee hours of the morning, every single morning, little droplets of water fall on you to refresh you. It's not like rain. Rain's, rain's pretty, pretty out there. I mean, if you pray for rain and it rains, rain gets all the credit. Rain has a certain arrogance to it. Rain could be destructive. Rain could cause floods. Rain could uh, cause landslides. But dew, not dew. Dew is gentle. Dew is, dew is humble. Dew is peaceful. Dew falls every morning. Dew is almost like new mercies every morning. Dew brings life. And that's what Micah says the remnant should be like. The remnant people should be refreshing. The remnant people should be blessings in the midst of the peoples. Blessings in the nations in the midst of the peoples. And that's the title of today's message, In the Midst. Now, there's a couple ways you can be in the midst. In the midst means among or in the middle or in the inner part. You can be in the middle, in the inner part, and be transformed by the environment around you. Or you could be in the middle, in the inner part, and be transformative on the environment around you. Make sense? Okay. So here's a point. You can write it down. You can be influenced 
by the things that surround you, or you can be the influence on the things that surround you. A couple of guys, uh, Damon West and John Gordon, they wrote a book called The Coffee Bean recently. Maybe you've read it. John Gordon's a Christian motivational speaker. Damon West, at the time of the book, was doing 65 years in a Texas penitentiary on a drug charge. 2009, he gets to prison, and he realizes he could either be transformed by the environment of the prison, or he could transform the environment of the prison. Two totally different perspectives. And he came up with this concept of the coffee bean. Now, your environment, he says, is boiling water. Pretty safe to say 2020 has been boiling water, and sometimes it has boiled over. He says you could be three things in the boiling water. You could be a carrot in the boiling water. And what happens to a carrot when it's in the environment of boiling water? Gets soft, becomes weak to its environment. What happens when you put an egg in boiling water? He says you could be an egg. And what happens to the environment around an egg? What happens to the egg? Gets hard. Becomes hard to its environment. Or... Or you could be a coffee bean in the environment of boiling water. And what happens when you drop a coffee bean in that environment? It transforms the boiling water. It transforms the environment. And that's what, that's what 2020 has done for a lot of us. 2020 has caused some of us to, to be carrots, to become soft and weak in this crazy environment, in the boiling water, and, and we start to make poor personal decisions. Some of us have, have become hard in the environment of 2020, in the environment of the boiling water, and, and have become hard to people, have become divisive to people. And we know, we know that that has never changed anyone's environment. We've talked about it before, D division, divisiveness, at best, at best puts a dent in our influence to tell others about Jesus. And at worst, it destroys our influence to tell others about Jesus. So if remnant people love Jesus and they get the transformation that has happened in their lives, we are to be transformative in the lives of others. We're to be in the midst because our environments are not transformed by opinions and agendas. We can't transform someone's environment by our opinion or our agenda, but we can transform others' environments by the way Jesus transformed our environment, and he didn't do it with an opinion. He didn't do it with an agenda. He did it with his love, and that's what we can do. Y'all can do that. Where? You can change your environment in your school. You can change your environment in your neighborhood. You can change your environment in your workplace. You can change your environment in your family because you're in the midst of a family. You may have been in the midst on Thursday. I, I, I was in the midst recently. I, I went out to California to see my family, and as the only believer in Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, in my family, I have to look differently than the rest of the world. I have to walk differently. I have to talk differently. I have to post differently. 
Pastor Jason and, and Pastor Chad gave me some incredible advice, and it was so simple. I was like, of course. They said, hey, when you go out to see your family, just go out and be your brother's brother. Just go out there and be your mom's son. Simple as that. Be in the midst. Go out with the same love that, that Jesus extended to you. Thursday may have been a conflict-filled Thanksgiving for you, and I get that. I come from a long history of conflict at Thanksgiving. <laughs> as a child, I, I really have only two memories of Thanksgiving as a child. I had an Aunt Edna, and everyone should have one. <laughs> and, and I remember Aunt Edna hated Richard Nixon <laughs> and always burnt the turkey. So, so my, Thanksgiving, my Thanksgivings were arguing about the president of the United States and overcooked turkey. Maybe it hasn't changed. Can I share something with you? We didn't have gravy. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> there was nothing left in the bottom of that pan to make gravy with. <laughs> I don't know if it was like when Moses led my people out of Egypt and they didn't have enough time to, to, to let the bread rise, and that's, that's why we have matzah. I don't know, maybe there wasn't enough time for there to make gravy. I'm not sure. But I went to a Christian's house for Thanksgiving one time, and they brought out the gravy. I was like, what is this? They said it covers a multitude of sins. That's a true story. We didn't have gravy, but I'm not bitter. <laughs> Point being, there are going to be people at your table who don't agree with you, who you don't agree with, but we are to be in the midst of those people, to be dew on the grass, to bring refreshment, to be transformation. And it's okay if you weren't that on Thursday, you've got another shot at this. Christmas is coming. And when you walk into a room, when you walk into a room as the remnant, that room should be transformed and it should be different than when you walk out. Let's continue, verse 8. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations, so here we go again, in the midst of many peoples, this time the simile is like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of sheep, which when it goes through, treads down and tears in pieces, and there's none to deliver. Your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries, and all your enemies shall be cut off. So after the exile, God's going to reestablish the remnant and succeed over their enemies. Remember when Pastor Jason shared a few weeks ago that we win by losing. And when we live as the remnant, one day God will overcome all our enemies. God is saying, hey, you live as the remnant. You're going to be strong and victorious when you live as dew on the grass and you are lion-like, powerful like a lion, strong in your faith like a lion but tender as a lamb. 
Who does that sound like? Jesus. Sounds like we're to be like Jesus in the midst. Sounds like we're to be like missionaries everywhere we go. And what does a missionary do everywhere they go? They transform their environment. They walk into a place that might be hostile and they leave that place differently. Remnant people, in the midst people, live a certain way. They bring refreshment to the world. They protect the weak. They serve. They give. They build up others. They love God. They obey God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey me. That's what remnant people do. Now, real quick aside, because if that's remnant people, if that's how we are supposed to live, what do remnant people not look like? If remnant people look like a lion, dew in the grass, in the midst, Remnant people don't look like wolves because wolves are not doing the grass. Wolves are not refreshing. Wolves do not build up. Wolves do not leave a room in better shape than when they walked in. Wolves devour. Wolves divide. Wolves are in the midst, but they are not building up. But remnant people, remnant people, they consider others more significant than themselves, even when they disagree. Crazy concept, I know. <laughs> That's why Philippians 2.3 is one of my favorite verses ever. But in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. Not necessarily to agree with that person, but that verse says you have to value that person. Remnant people are due on the grass. They're agents of transformation, and they value others. So that's the remnant people. God wants a remnant. Sounds like you want to be in the remnant. And you can be in the remnant. So if you've been sitting here for 20 minutes, and you're like, I don't think I'm in the remnant, you're going to have an opportunity to join the remnant. Verse 10, and you don't want to be here, Okay. And in that day, declares the Lord, that day referring to a judgment day, and we're going to face a judgment day. We're all going to face a judgment day. I will cut off your horses from among you and will destroy your chariots. Whoa. I will cut off the cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. Remember, Pastor Jason said, those are belief systems that are behind our behaviors, our strongholds. I will cut off sorceries from your hand and you shall have no more tellers of fortunes and I will cut off your carved images and your pillars from among you and you shall bow down no more to the work of your hands and I will root out your Ashira images which represent idolatry, idol worshiping of a fertility goddess and this is how whacked it was in those days. There were people that believed that fertility goddess was the wife of God. It was a crazy time. I will root out your Ashira images named from among you and destroy your cities. And in anger and wrath, I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey or haven't listened. Happy Sunday. 
case you didn't notice, we are in the judgment part. Because <laughs> those are some pretty descriptive and violent words. Cut off, destroy, root out. He's saying, hey, your strength will no longer be in the things of power. Your strength will no longer be in your strongholds. Your strength will no longer be in the things that you hold on to, the idols. Your strength won't be in fortune tellers and sorcerers. He says, hey, I'm gonna destroy all that. And the ones who don't listen, who don't obey, I will exact vengeance and justice. Those are not the remnant people. Mind you, they're in the midst but they are being influenced by the environment around them. They are not being influenced on the environment around them. They are not a coffee bean. They are egg-like. They are carrot-like. See, God is not playing around. God disciplines, and it hurts. Check this out. This is the hope and the judgment. It's because he loves us because he loves us. Hebrews 12, 11 says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And why does God do this? Let's go back to the Abide series from 2019. If you remember when we talked about fruit, he does this, he disciplines us because we wouldn't do it for ourselves. Why? It hurts. <laughs> it's painful. Pastor Jason said something that has stuck with me the entire two years. You don't get to the peaceful fruit without the painful process. And we have a heavenly father that loves us enough to choose the painful process for us. I've been thinking a lot about my dad since he passed away in August. And sometimes he chose the painful process for us. Believe it or not, I was not always the most behaved child. Shocker. I was very surprised myself. And he had a unique way of discipline. He, his offices were attached to the house. And so long, long before 2020, my dad was working from home, ahead of his time. So he would come in from the office. He would stand in the hallway. He would look at me, little seven-year-old Davy Stein. And, and he would look at me and he'd go, you're on my list and then he'd walk away. And I wouldn't see him for an hour. <laughs> and I would spend the next hour trembling, wondering, number one, how did I get on the list? And number two, how can I blame my brother? <laughs> and and I, could, I could usually figure out number one, and number two never worked because my dad was smarter than a seven-year-old. Hence the discipline, hence the punishment. And why could my dad do that? He could do that because he had the power and the position to mete out correction and consequences. But what I didn't know was why he was doing that. He was doing that because he loved me. He was doing that because he had something better for me. I couldn't comprehend that as a seven-year-old, that my dad was literally discipling me which is the process of transformation. And you think about God, and in God's family, God has the highest authority. My dad had the highest authority in our family. God has the highest authority, and he has the power and the position to mete out consequences and correction. 
And God is so serious about doing this because he loves us, the process of our transformation, our discipleship, that he's willing to mete out discipline. And he's so serious about those who will not obey, he's willing to mete out judgment. That's how there's hope in the judgment, because you want to be in the first part. You want to be in the remnant. God has so much good for us, so much better for us. He's tearing down everything that is going to get in our way. But I got to ask you, hearing all that, hearing about all that judgment, does that surprise you? Are you like, wow, that's, that's who God is? Yeah, that's who he is, but that's one of the awesome characteristics of God. And, and to really get this, it's really important to get who God is, to get his characteristics, to get his attributes, to understand he's everywhere always, to understand he knows everything, to understand he's all powerful, to understand he's all merciful. And without mercy, we've got nothing because this says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It says so in Romans chapter three, that means we're all a mess. We've all sinned. We're all matched up against a perfect, holy, righteous God. And then it says in chapter six of Romans that there is a penalty to sin and it's death, it's eternal separation from God, but God in his mercy sent Jesus to not only forgive us of our sins, but to take the penalty for our sins so that we could be in relationship with him, so we could dwell with God, so we could be in that remnant. He's all merciful. He is all loving. So it's really important because if you know all that, you can trust his word. You can trust his word. So we can trust that God's judgment is our ultimate hope because he's going to go to great lengths. He will go to great lengths to bring us into his family, to adopt us into his family. Go back to that, that moment where you were contemplating being in the remnant. Contemplate that God adopts us as sons and daughters into his family and going back to Romans, that he also gives us the same rights and privileges as who? Jesus. We're heirs to God, co-heirs with Christ. Crushing his son is going to great lengths for us. Because his judgment will come and he's either going to judge us on the cross through the sacrifice of Jesus or he's going to judge us later and we won't be in the remnant, we'll be in the judgment. Remember, it was written to Israel before us because we've got idolatry in our lives. The Israelites had idolatry in their lives. I think it's important to see some of these verses in a modern context. And I took the liberty of rewriting these verses. Forgive me. So I'm going to read verses 10 through 15 again and ask yourself, as I have asked myself, these hard questions. What do I hold so valuable that it becomes higher than God? And in that day, declares the Lord, I will cut off your target card. 
wait a minute. And I was at Target yesterday. And of course, we're thinking we're good stewards because, you know, get 5% off. But when that, oh, I just got to run into Target becomes an everyday thing, becomes a God thing, then we have to start thinking about these things. And that, I just got to run into Target for a second. (laughs) We were there for two hours yesterday. But we got some really cute stuff. I will cut off your Target card, and I will destroy your jacked-up F-150s, Silverados, and Ram 1500s. Just lost y'all, right? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I would love a truck. See, these aren't bad things. I will cut off your cities, Panama City Beach, 30A, and Disney. He did that this year. And I will throw down all your addictions to money, sex, and substances. I will cut off the social media like button from your hand, and you shall have no more Instagram influence and no longer be able to say anything you want whenever you want. I will cut off your internet and your iPhones. You shall bow down no more to your jobs that you find your identity in, and I will root out your sports teams and destroy your social status. And in anger and wrath, I will execute vengeance on the people that did not love me. That did not love their neighbors. That did not pursue humility. That did not do justice. That did not love mercy. Point here is that, not that these things are bad, But when they harden us to God, when they harden us to worship, when they harden us to hope, when they harden us to being refreshment in the midst, when they harden us from being light like dew on the grass, then judgment's coming. Because there's going to be a day when God's going to cut off and root out and plow under and destroy See, the judgment people in these verses, they were in the midst, but they were affected by their environment. And he's saying, God wants a people for himself that obey me. And you want a God like that. So remember what we started out with. God desires there to be a remnant. You want to be in the remnant. And you can be in the remnant. But we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own strength. We can do it through God's power because we can't do it by holding on to things of the world. The title of last week's message was The Remnant Shall Be Delivered, and it will, but only through the power of God and not through the power of man because that's what proud people do. And what do we know from the many, many times in Scripture about God and pride. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Think about where Jesus was born. He was born in the tiny, humble town of Bethlehem, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. So what's he going to do with your life when you make the decision to humble yourself before he makes the decision to humble you? 
Make sure you're in the remnant. But here's the key. Live like remnant people. Because it's not just enough to be in the remnant as a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not enough to live like the remnant. It's not enough to be in the remnant. You have to live like the remnant. That would have been much better if I would have said it that way. Be transformative. Because if not, it's a waste. It's a waste just to be in. If you're not going to take that and multiply that, that's the, that's the vision of this church, is to multiply what God has done in your life, in our lives, to take that out. That's why I tell everybody about Jesus. I want them to get some of this. Not some of David, some of Jesus. And be careful, this isn't a do this and God's gonna love you. It's a he did this because he loves you. 2 Corinthians 2, 5. It says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I heard one pastor say, God treated Jesus as if Jesus had lived our lives and he treats us as if we had lived Jesus's life. Well, yeah, wow. <laughs> That's what it means to be in the remnant. And if you get that, you will live differently. You will serve differently. You will give differently. You will love differently. You will tell everybody about Jesus differently. And if you see all these verses next to each other, you see the judgment and the mercy, it, it seems like they contradict, but in the gospel, they complement. God is giving us a contrast between death and life. And it's an invitation to live in the midst, to be refreshment like dew on the grass. So if it's ridiculous that God wants a remnant and he wants you to be in the remnant, you want to be in the remnant. And you can be. And how can you be? By believing in the amazing, glorious, perfect, holy, righteous, suffering Savior, Jesus Christ. This says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. You will be in the remnant. So if you want to be in the remnant, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Let's pray. Father, it is remarkable that you want us. I think of my own life and what I have done. Yet you still say, come to me. Come to me and be my son.
We face moments in our lives, Father, when we are at a crossroads. Do we want that love? Do we want your mercy? So if anybody is here or watching or in Jasper and they want that mercy, here's that invitation. Repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I have heard today that I'm not in your remnant, that I'm not in the people that you want to dwell with. But I do hear that you love me. I do hear that you're full of mercy. And I do hear that Jesus died for my sins. He took those sins and the penalty for my sins at the cross. I believe that Jesus is who you say you are. And I trust that you raised him from the dead. Will you save me? I want to follow you for the rest of my life. If that was you, if you're watching online, you'll have an opportunity in just a moment to text something to us to let us know. And if you're here in this room or in Jasper, we want to know about that. We want to celebrate that with you. So will you please raise your hand as high as you can get it, saying, I'm in the remnant. I'm going to live differently. Thank you. Our prayer team is here. They have a Bible that they want to give you. And for everybody else that has already trusted in Jesus, that is in the remnant, it's not just enough to be in the remnant. We have to live like the remnant. So I have two charges today. Make sure that, that just like my modern translation of verses 10 through 15, that the good things don't become God things. That we don't become hardened to the things of the world. And that is a caution. We have to be intentional about every single day. And the second thing is, live like remnant people. Be a coffee bean. Be transformative in every environment that you are in. Be in the midst of peoples. Tell others about Jesus. Have a smile on your face that isn't fake, but says, my life has been transformed. I was dead, now I'm alive, and I want to tell you about it. Go take the hill for Jesus when you walk out of here. Father, we love you. And again, we're amazed by you, and we thank you, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.